We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Immortal Minds. I'm DDK, of course. This is episode 28, and we have First Strike right around the corner. Joining me for today's preview episode for First Strike, as well as some uh, chat around their plans, rights plans for 2021, is, of course, Chris Puckett. Are you doing, Chris? I'm doing awesome, man. Episode 28, already there. I know it is this hype. Okay, we've got two coaches with us here to discuss things as well, which is going to be really interesting. I don't think we could have gotten any more perfect guests. So, Taylor, welcome. Welcome, Taylor of, of TSM, of course. Good morning. How are you guys? Fantastic. A little more awake. Yep, yep. I like that. <laughs> and uh, we've got the resident sleeper, Sliggy. Coach Sliggy from Team Liquid. How you doing, man? I'm good, dude. Good evening, I guess, for me. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm good, guys. How are we all doing? Excellent. Before we get started, though, can can we all confirm Sliggy is the greatest observer of all time? <laughs> Sliggy, can you tell us a, a quick background before you were coaching Liquid? How long were you observing? What's your road in esports? Because you're an old man, even though you don't look like it. Yeah, I am an old man. Um, I'm like, I, I'll say my age, I'm 31. Um, but I, I did uh, observing, I think, 2014. So like six years ago was my first time. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of really grinded loads. Um, and then eventually like four years in got my first major with the face it major worked a lot with um with like the face it guys and um yeah and then ever since then i did uh every every major since then so three in a row um and then i kind of i felt like i had done done all i could do with observing i felt like uh it, it got to a good level i felt like everyone uh, increased um i don't know i felt, felt like it just increased the viewer experience i felt like all the observers um had to kind of step up the game a little bit kind of like uh i just wanted i just wanted to up the game kind of make it uh, a little bit better so um i feel like i achieved that i think i did that um and so yeah i'm happy to kind of go out 
of what I believe was the top and then move on to something else. Yeah, the way it was described to me was, <clears throat> excuse me, a huge loss for CSGO, but a huge win for Team Liquid. So it seems everyone's happy with where you're at on Liquid. Congrats on uh, everything you've accomplished so far. But Dan, go ahead, kick off the show. Yeah, of course. You know, today uh, we've, there's so much to talk about. You know, we have First Strike, as I mentioned, right around the corner. So we'll definitely get into the nitty gritty with that. And, you know, for, to those of you uninitiated into Valorant, I'm surprised you found this show. But First Strike is Riot Games' first sort of take in a tournament system that's been running in the in the first year of, of this game, Valorant. And into next year, when things are going to be a little bit more serious, plans have already been laid out. So we should be talking about that. We have, uh, this. Is, they've called it the 2021 Valorant Champions Tour. And I, I can't really express how excited I am for this because it's, uh, there's definitely been some growing pains kind of figuring out Valorant as an eSport in this first year. But uh, 2021 sounds pretty epic. And what they've said is that they want this to rival Worlds in League of Legends. That's, what, that's their vision, is that the finals of this will rival Worlds. That's a huge statement and I think oh, very yeah. exciting for all of us Valorant fans. So here's, a, here's the structure. Uh, what do we what do we think of this um, initially? Like, let's let's kind of do a little, a little uh, kind of round robin take here. What do you think, Chris? I'll chime in first. Yeah. Time. yeah, so I like it. I mean, it's a it's pretty simple structure, as you can see there in the triangle. We're going wide with the challengers, so it's open to everybody. Uh, the the top performers from challengers are moving on into masters, and then at the very end, the best of the best are moving into an international event with Valorant champions. Now, masters. It all depends on COVID, right? These could be the first time that we see EU versus NA and the different regions mixing in. But for now, we're assuming it's going to be region locked until that final event in December. Um, but it's exciting because we at least now know what to look forward to. We know that every quarter we're going to be hit with a huge Masters event in every single region. Big money is going to be up available for the pros along the way. And as you said, just Riot coming out and saying, we want this to rival League of Legends in terms of how big the finals is going to be. For anyone who has ever watched a League Finals, you know this is one of the greatest spectacles in all of esports, one of the biggest events of the year every year. So I think Valorant, if you're a fan right now, this year was a pretty good kickoff. It was a nice way for the grassroots community level events to kick off. But now we're getting serious. We're getting the serious funds and serious resources coming in in 2021. Yeah, Sliggy and, uh, and Taylor, like, give us your thoughts on this. You've both come from a CS background, and CS, of course, is known for being oversaturated. We've got lots of players in terms of big tournament organizers. We have the major system that Valve run as well. When you first saw this format, was it something that you're, that you're initially very excited for, or do you have some reservations? Where do you guys stand? Uh, I'll go, I personally, yeah, I personally, I'm pretty happy with this, man. Like, I, I, I don't think I could have wished for much better than this. The fact, yeah, the fact, like you were saying, they wanted to rival uh, worlds is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a steep task, but like, I'm down for it. This sounds awesome if they think they can do it. Um, but yeah, in terms of like how much, uh, how many tournaments and stuff there are, this looks pretty good. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff I'm excited about, and then some stuff I have reservations about. So getting a full year plan is like amazing coming from Counter-Strike. <laughs> uh, not knowing what the hell you're doing in the next two weeks in Counter-Strike is, is pretty nerve-wracking sometimes. Um, I think it'll be much better travel-wise too once we do get back to LAN. Um, the only thing I have reservations about is that it's online mostly, which is unfortunate, but with COVID, everything is online. And uh, I'm not sure there's going to be any direct invites, which is uh, a little disappointing just because we had these ignition events and we had first strike and 
it's almost like uh, they're kind of just turning those into content events um, to build the esport, which is okay. But um, we're kind of sick of online qualifiers at this point. I believe that. Uh, one of the cool things I think you guys will note on this sheet, if we actually go back production to the one right before it, uh, when I was looking at this, I thought it was awesome. Okay, so at the end of the year, you're looking at total points, right? It's almost like you're playing the circuit all year long. The top two in points are going to go in for North America, Europe, um, Middle East, and Africa, two from Brazil, one from Latin, one from Japan, two from Southeast Asia, and one from Korea. Then we also see there's going to be last chance qualifiers. That's where four additional teams are going to come from. But at the end of it all, like it's so key to be in the top three in your region. And I felt like that now sets a new benchmark for me moving forward, looking at all these tournaments. It's not like, okay, who is in the finals? It's who were the top three? Who is going to be in that running for the top two points? And then who is going to be that third team that we expect to come out of the last chance qualifier? Taylor, is that how you broke it down when you first read this? Am I am I seeing it the right way? Yeah, so we have like, um, we have maybe 16 orgs or 20 orgs in na right now that are seriously competitive um so only having a few slots come out of that region might drive the orgs to pick up teams in other areas which is not necessarily a bad thing but um right now the na scene is thriving and the eu scene is doing pretty well um and i like that competition a lot so i i'm also reserved about that but yeah i think um being top three in the region has always been a goal of ours and a goal of most of these teams. So it's not really going to change anything for us personally, but uh, the competition's going to get even more fierce than it already was. Yeah, it makes me wonder if there's going to be a lot of you know players or maybe even teams moving continents to to try to get a slot. Yeah. It depends how big things are going to be. Uh, but that was like one of my th- first thoughts with this. Um, we didn't really see it too much in, in CS because of the nature of it. That you know, there was of course like, well, we we know that there's a lot of money in in Asia, in China specifically, and that's in like the league scene and some other scenes where they have big esports like Overwatch and so on. You know, it it tends to be a pretty pretty crazy what they're able to offer. So I would be surprised if we don't see some like you know NA prospects that can't quite break that top three moving over. Is it is that is that something that um you've got you guys have been thinking about at all like? in terms of how this might all shape up? Yeah, I think um, obviously the Brazilian teams have come to NA in Counter-Strike, and then there's Counter-Strike players that will go to to China, like Fates, and um, didn't Angel go for a while? I think, too. I don't remember. But I'm trying to remember now, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of players who have gone for like three months just to make a billion dollars and then come back. And not really do anything with the with the major <laughs> team, but um, I think uh, I I worry a little bit about the NA scene uh, getting torn apart, just because I am biased towards how competitive it is and the storylines that we have are really good. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I'm sure Riot has that kind of stuff in mind. So yeah. There seems to be room as well for other things too. You know, it seems like there's room for in this calendar for a lot of other tournaments or possible oh, circuits yeah, that sure. could. So, so I do wonder if there's more sort of partnership opportunities. If maybe Riot will continue to run, like will First Strike, as you say, continue to run as more of a content thing, but is still something where you can get that competition on the on the regular. So we'll see how they they build out. 
Uh, any any final thoughts on on this uh, 2021 Valorant Champions Tour from you guys before we kind of move the discussion forward? I, mean, I think it's pretty good. My, I have a little concern of in terms of um, it's like the Oceanic scene has to play the NA scene, right? Uh, I, I'm not sure about how pings work for that. And in yeah, terms of weird. the Europe side as well, I think we have uh, India and Turkey. I think that's right. So our pings to them, it's going to be like 70 ping average games um, wow. for some games, which is going to be interesting. Uh, that's like my main concern uh, when it comes to that region. But everything else, I mean, it seems pretty fun. And I think Wayland's on top of it, right? He's listening to the community feedback. They're still trying to solve for it. And I don't think they have the solution 100% nailed down right now, right away. But I like that Riot has already acknowledged it's in the back of our minds. It's something we're working on. And as soon as we figure out what's going on in the world of COVID, we can change our plans as well. Um, for now, they're doing the best they can. But I I'm with you, Sliggy. No one wants to see a 70 ping game because I think all of us, you know, fans, commentators, you're just going to have to take the result with a grain of salt and say, is this really the right outcome, even if it's a best of five? Yeah, for sure. I can agree with that. Yeah. But um, I mean, hopefully the champions of the land as well. I mean, that would be amazing if we actually get to see that next year. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm holding yeah. up for that. Yeah, it seemed like in their messaging, you know, they, they're definitely going to, at the earliest possible point, try to get those international tournaments going. We're all hungry for it. So it's uh, it's going to be good to hopefully get to see that sooner rather than later. You know, hopefully the, the world is able to solve things around COVID that can you know, allow for stuff like that to happen. Now that football is back in full swing, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all your great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Word, bet online your online sportsbook experts and 2020 has reshaped how we work businesses across the globe are trying to be more efficient than ever so when every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other site helping you find quality candidates quickly indeed also gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring and you only pay for what you need you can pause your account anytime and there are no long-term contracts and now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, which is why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through december 31st terms and conditions apply and now let's get back to the podcast uh, we can move forward now into more of a, a first strike uh, discussion we have obviously the main event finally right around the corner as i had mentioned it's a huge huge deal this is the biggest event that we've we've had it is unfortunately you know we, we still are not able to do it on land which is really unfortunate so I guess the last like um, last big event I think I guess in in terms of scale to this would have been the Pot Flash Invitational, um, and that was you know we had everyone in studio, but that of course was not including the teams. But this is going to be a pretty awesome. We've got a huge slog for a lot of teams that they've had to go through to actually qualify for this. This has gone you know gone across a couple months, 
we've it's actually i found it quite confusing at first there's a an awesome kind of flow chart i'm not sure we have that to pull up but there's this there's a, a graphic that kind of explains how each team can can make their way through and Nerd street gamers had a, a couple qualifiers umg had a couple qualifiers these are open systems that then uh were feeding teams through to this main event so from the from the outset you know with this this crazy qualifier system was this something that you guys were happy with. I know this was operated differently in NA and EU, so I'd love to hear the thoughts with regards to that. And I know that, Sticky, you've probably got a lot of thoughts, and I, I urge you not to censor yourself um, on this because <laughs> I know you've got some you've got some stuff to talk about with this one. Yeah. Here's and Sliggy, real quick before you chime in, guys, this is the $100,000 tournament. North America's format was very different from Europe's. I'm still confused on how Europe broke down, but now, Sliggy, you can rent. Um, so yeah, the, the NA one's decent, man. Like best of threes everywhere. Like you're flowing in games. <laughs> if anything, there's a bit too many games. That's like your one complaint. Um, and then you have like the polar opposite in terms of EU, where we to qualify you would only get uh, one best of three game. Uh, so you, it, you'd go all the way to the top eight uh, before like the final four to qualify, and they were all best of ones. Um, so it it was it was madness, and then there was some like weird seeding stuff going on. Um, yeah, complete polar opposites. I don't really know what happened. I much prefer how they handled the NA stuff. Uh, I don't want to rant too much because it is a bit wild. But um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not sure the best of ones really uh, should should be in at this point, especially when like it wasn't too much of a time constraint, in my opinion. I think best of ones was the big difference if you're looking just across the format. But also, I was going through and, and making my brackets today and I realized, oh, Europe didn't even finish the seeding of the teams it's just once you qualified you were in this lump right and then so you came through qualifier one and then the second one spit out four more teams and then they get sorted in a bracket of qualifier one versus qualifier two so like was there any any seeding that isn't kind of seen on liquipedia that i don't know about no um i'm not sure i'm allowed to talk about it but i'm gonna do it anyway and maybe <laughs> if i get in trouble then it, it just happens uh, i woke up <laughs> I woke up and there was, they had the top four teams that are qualified in the first qualifier, and then they had the second qualifying teams. Um, and then they just went to random.org and they just uh, they just assigned them randomly, like pure RNG. Um, so yeah, that kind of sums it all up. Okay. Well, RNG and $100,000 finals featuring eight teams, that seems pretty easy to execute. Makes sense to me. Um, go back to North America side though, Dan, I felt like they kind of did it right. You You did it. For the first time, a massive scale open bracket where everyone could come in and then we whittled it down over a very long week to where we had our final eight playing for just four spots. And I felt like NA, if this happens again in the future, it's got to be a pain in the ass every time if you're a top team like TSM tailored to have to play those early rounds. But is there a better way to do this if they do first strike in 2021? Uh, no, Nerd Street uh, nailed it. I mean, they've been doing this since beta and uh, they work really closely with us and all the top teams to figure out what the best process is for vetoes. They do everything on time. Uh, UMG was new to the scene and they fucked a lot of stuff up. Um, we, we had seating in the UMG open qualifier that was done alphabetically for some reason. Uh, and they had like teams locked out for the, it says 128 teams, but it was actually like 90 or something. And teams are still wanting to play and try and get in and they weren't letting them in. Um, so yeah, UMG dropped the ball on their qualifier and then Nerd Street did an extremely good job. Um, 
but yeah, going through an open qualifier online is is rough business for sure. Um, I know there's not much they can do to avoid it, but there's just so much randomness online, especially in NA where you're having to play people in New York and LA and ping is such a big deal in this game um, that it makes it really hard to show your best strengths online. But God, I can't imagine having to play BO1, so it's so much worse. <laughs> worse <laughs> what a nightmare. I got yeah. a headache reading about stuff for me. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was a couple of rough two weeks, that's for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, we lost we lost a few good teams, honestly, that, that I personally would put in the uh, like top eight of Europe. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely had an effect, in my opinion. Yeah, same. I'm sure, I know we're going to talk about upsets and stuff later, but it's definitely sad not to see some of the teams in the final event. Well, I mean, uh, in terms of the what happened within the qualifiers, we can definitely go like take the moment to go into some of the things that we saw that were upsetting, um, such as you know C9 not making it through is is one to kind of immediately throw out there. What were the, what were the thoughts around this? Because C9 definitely, for I think from a lot of people's perspectives, and I've spoken to a lot of pros, you know, leading into into it, C9 were a team that we all thought were were definitely top four, you know, or of top four caliber, and they seemed like they were getting better, and they were playing a style that felt pretty consistent. But the you know they felt prey to the variance. You know, what do you guys you know put that down to? Yeah, well, C9 when they beat us. Um uh in the last event they were uh looking really good and definitely playing like the best that they had played uh, the most structured they had played um i think they had some like comp issues especially with the sentinels changes going into this event where they couldn't use killjoys effectively and uh people just kind of understood how not to play into those new strengths that they had found and I mean, Tyson is such an X factor. Tens is such an X factor for them that if he doesn't show up for one game, that can make such a difference in your bracket. So I think um, going into this, we knew that there would be some teams not showing up uh, in these final eight. Because like I said, there's like 16 to 20 really solid teams in North America. So the fact that they're not there is not that crazy. <clears throat> I think some orgs didn't expect to make it. Like Gen G isn't here. Which is upsetting. Yeah. Um, but none of these teams, uh, I wouldn't say they don't deserve to be here. You know, they all they all won their games fair and square. So it's hard, man. When you whittle down to eight teams, you're you're gonna lose some heavy hitters. So we were kind of trying to look at the list of who didn't make it. So for everyone who was looking at that bracket, you saw Envy's in, Immortals is in, Renegades, TSM, 100 Thieves, T1, Sentinels, and FaZe. That's going to be our final eight going in uh, to the first strike finals here for North America. Cloud9 Blue not making it was a big shocker because they had just won a tournament, what, a week, two weeks before this? You said Gen G, who is a squad we are always seeing in our final eight of almost every community-ran tournament and even the... Um, big ones put on by Riot leading up to this. Who else was missing, Taylor, that you think could be considered a top eight team in North America? Um, I think people were surprised at, at how poorly Energy did, but Energy came into this without a solid fifth, and uh, they're still kind of developing their comp and stuff. You could see them trying out some crazy stuff in this just this past weekend in like a smaller Nerd Street tournament. Um putting like their entry fraggers on on sentinels and stuff right uh 
And I actually think I was watching Sam's stream last night and he was talking about how they're going to try a triple duelist comp. I think something similar to what we've been running. Um, so it's more just like a big name that you don't see here is energy. Uh, but I think C9 and Gen.G are the, the biggest ones. And those two teams have been inconsistent, honestly. So uh, it's not that weird that they're not here, but it is sad because, you know, I know that any given Sunday they could, they could, win the whole thing so do you think Anbox is a top eight team i know they didn't have poach for the weekend he had some stress issues went to see a doctor didn't play on the weekend warden their coach was filling in yeah and they almost beat phase too um they kind of fell into a trap of, of playing not to lose when they got these big leads on phase but uh obviously i'm a huge fan of android played with him and i played with yay before in counter-strike and uh I think Android can put that team on his back if he needs to. But overall, they seem to play really well together. So um, I think given a little more time, we could see them. But I'm not that shocked not to see them in this lineup. I, I think they just need more time. And Android's only been playing for a few months. So um, it's hard to switch over that quickly and, and right. end up in the biggest event of the year. Yeah, I think um, you know the the whole not to lose thing. I know that we were sp talking about that before, and and you had a few more points about that. So I'd love to hear sort of what else you saw from that uh, perspective across these qualifiers that may have hurt teams. Yeah, there was a ton of uh, a ton of comebacks uh, in these games where you could see the top teams uh, really shine because they're they're this idea of playing not to lose is is going to be really important for these younger teams to learn. And I actually think Liquid had a really good game uh, versus, oh, shit, uh, Prodigy. It was your last game you played, I think. And um, they looked really good coming back on Ascent. And then you could see they just got timid at the end, and they were letting you guys bully them. And then it even went into split where they were uh, not even trying to challenge you guys on your setups. I mean, you were doing these huge sight hits and you went like 9-3 on T-side split or something. And they didn't once try and challenge you on your default, on your on your initial setups. And you see a lot of that in NA too, where these teams, especially the younger teams, they're playing not to lose instead of trusting like, um, you know, trusting like the win condition. And I, I don't mean like you have to be aggressive. Uh, you just need to be confident in, in whatever game plan or adjustment you come up with. Yeah, I think we're seeing that quite a lot, in, especially in terms of teams that are heavily like CS pass-based, like teams that have a lot of CS players. That they're very used to like just turtling up and just waiting for hits and stuff. Um, yeah, I, d I don't believe that this gameplay is um, as simple as that. So yeah, you kind of want to see teams be a bit more proactive a lot of the times. Yeah, I love I love that point. Sort of the the market difference from CS in mentality. There, that's that's a, I think that's very true. Um, do, do you guys also feel that? As a quick comparison between CS and Valorant, this kind of open bracket system is even scarier in a game like this. Because my first thought is there's more, there's less rounds and more inherent variance, and the mechanical ceiling is is technically lower. So there's less separating your godlike tier one players in terms of just being able to shoot their way out of unexpected situations. Um, so it feels like it's it comes down a lot more to to a couple of things. One, just having a very solid core game. Um, and core game plan that you can apply to anything, as well as having the ability to have enough in your playbook that you can rely on so you can adapt on the fly. 
because it, it feels like it, you could just run into a bunch of you know, youngsters that could definitely win any best of one in this game. Like it feels much more threatening to me from as a as a spectator. But uh, how does it feel as someone you know as as people that are coaching you know teams trying to avoid the dangers of the variants in this game? Yeah, it's one of those things where like if you could, you can lose both pistols and then they could have something completely different that you've never seen before like a sage doing some crazy walls that like hasn't been seen in like top competitive play before and like that alone could potentially just win them the game just off that um so yeah that's that's where like the best of ones are i'm just like shitting myself because i'm just like this is <laughs> like this, i know this can happen and like when you come across stuff that you haven't seen this in the game you're just like it's so hard to just deal with it there and then um so yeah it's like what you said there's loads of different variants that can just spring up and then the fact that this mr12 pistols uh just uh, have a lot more weight behind them so yeah there's uh, it's just a lot of things that can go wrong uh to make you lose the map in this game looking purely at this na bracket can we talk about the surprises here because i was surprised to see immortals being retooled already able to finish in the top eight i was surprised uh i think taylor you might have been as well by renegades who you'll be matching up against in the in that first round. Can you talk to me about these teams? Let's start with Renegades, because, um, you know, I, I have my good buddy Sideshow from the Overwatch League. He does a lot of analytical content as well, and he was mentioning that Renegades isn't even in his top eight right now. That he, It was a squad that he just hasn't seen enough. They had wins over Slimy Boogerman. Um, then they beat TSM on split. But, Taylor, what should we know about this squad coming in? Uh, Renegades is kind of interesting because their playstyle is a lot different than how other people play. Uh, I think that will eventually be a detriment for them. Uh, you could see even in our games, they they uh, took us a little bit by surprise on Split. And it's mostly because on Split, we always had trouble fighting uh, just these huge pops. And uh, that's all they do is huge pops. So... Okay. Uh, but we've played them enough in scrims to know that they can be competitive. So we kind of knew going in that that they could end up in this top eight. It's not surprising to see them here. I think Immortals is a little more surprising, especially after selling their their two strongest players. Um, but yeah, I think I think Renegades has a style. Like I said, it's going to be a detriment to them eventually because it's like super structured. And uh, it's kind of like Furia, how when Furia first came on the scene, they were like really hard to read, especially with how aggressive art was. Um, but once you kind of figured out how to play against them, if you got them on the right map, you, you could shut them down. And Furia has since adjusted and, and changed their game plan a lot. But um, originally, it, they, they kind of remind me of that team. Um, a lot of good chemistry on the team, too. So that's hard to beat. And like... So like you said, you only have like one or two rounds to adjust, especially if you lose Bissell, you're fucked. Uh, I don't know if I can curse on here. You're but good. There's hey, man, no... we're, we're, already, we're already in there. <laughs> okay. There's, there's, there's no better word for it than fucked because with, MR, <laughs> with MR12 and losing both pistols, that's like four to six rounds. I mean, that's 30% of your game is just gone to RNG basically. So um it's really hard against aggressive teams sometimes, especially confident teams online who are, you know, in their home and they feel comfortable. So, right. And then that immortal squad now has shanks on the lineup. I've heard a, a lot of rumors, a lot of discussion on Twitter, on Reddit as well. Is he in the starting lineup? Is he not? What's the expectations for immortals? Cause they're facing off against envy 
who kind of dominated that first qualifier. They 3-0'd the final over 100 Thieves. They kind of cruised their way through the bracket. Envy's coming in with the number one seed in North America. Yeah, so Mortals took a map off us to Shanks. I don't think will be on their lineup because um, he's been he was playing he's trying out for energy right now. He played with them yesterday. Um, but to me, they're not really a threat. Um, we'll see how they do against Envy. I'm I'm interested to see if they change their game plan at all. But um, again, it's just like one of those chemistry teams. They seem to get along well. And in Counter Strike, when I would do analysis and coaching, it would be like a lot more structured than in this game. In this game, I, I push communication. And um, I think communication is like the biggest thing in this game. And I almost feel like I'm not doing enough work sometimes and I'm not coming up with like all these crazy plans and writing. Like I used to write 70 pages of notes going into an event for a CS tournament. And then in this game, you know, we just watch, we come up with a game plan and we try and stick to it. But being being flexible is the most important thing. So I think a lot of these teams will suffer uh, when their structure runs out, you know, when they only have a few things to fall back on. It seems kind of like that was T1's issue to begin with in the very, very beginning. But yeah, yeah Connor, do you, are, you, are you echoing some of these sentiments from Taylor? Yeah, Taylor? yeah, pretty much. I was, I was going to say, I was actually quite impressed with um, the variety that I saw in, in terms of like what the teams are bringing in NA. It was very like one dimensional at the beginning. And then now, like you said, there's just a lot of like Renegades had the, a completely different style that is more, I don't know, it's more similar to like the EU Korean scene um, in terms of like how they pop. Um, so yeah, I was just impressed in general just to see teams actually um, kind of moving away from the classic NA kind of style that we saw. And I do feel like the matchups work quite well. Like Renegades', Renegades style of play definitely works well against um, like the kind of Cloud Nines um, and just certain teams like that. So yeah, I, I was just interested to see um, how kind of the improvement and how, and how the teams are just uh, handling it differently. Sluggy, as a quote-unquote outsider, so someone coming from the EU watching some of the NA games, what first-round matchup do you think is going to be the closest here as uh, you look at the four? Feel free to talk shit about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm more than happy to do that most of the time. Um, yeah, T1, 100 Thieves, I think, in my opinion, is going to be the closest. Um, I couldn't really... I didn't see... T I mean, I saw a good amount of 100 Thieves, so I'm not sure how they're going to be going in. I definitely saw a giant improvement um, in terms of just, like, Hiko individually. Um, but, yeah, I think 100 Thieves T1 is going to be quite interesting. Uh, I saw, like, big progression from them. Like, every single game I carried on seeing a lot of progression. So, yeah, I, I liked what I saw from them. Um, I do think... I do think TSM might struggle against the Renegade style play, but if you watch enough demos, I agree, you can easily counter it. So um, I think if you come in with a good game plan, you should be fine. Uh, as, if they keep the same style of play, I'm, I'm no not pressure, sure. No pressure tailored. Yeah, no yeah. pressure. I'm not sure how they're going to go. Into it. <laughs> you, you can definitely do, um, like Dad was saying, have a good game plan against it and you'll be fine. Um, so yeah, it's kind of all on your shoulders, dude. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. No pressure. Which side yeah, is the uh... area, actually? Oh, sorry to interrupt you, Taylor, if you had a point there. Uh, no, I was just going to say that I really like this bracket for us, uh, just because 100 Thieves, T1, Sentinels all have to knock each other out, and I don't want to play any of them until the finals, honestly. Um, Sentinels has a challenge with FaZe, just because FaZe is like, they have some insane mechanics on that team. Uh, but I don't think they'll struggle with them. And then 100 Thieves, T1 matching up against each other is like, 
perfect. I love that they have to knock each other out. The I buy um, Power Bowl. It's going to yeah, be great. Exactly. Uh, so those those two teams play kind of similarly. Um, they play like a very counter strikey style. So those are probably going to be some long games to watch, but they should be entertaining. And then I feel pretty comfortable against everyone on our side of the bracket, even Envy. Um, our team and Envy, we play each other quite a bit. And uh, they're not as scary to us as, as I think they are to other teams, um, just because we're more comfortable against those guys. I think just personality-wise, we're more comfortable against them. They're, they're not as like um, maybe confident against us, but they are a scary team. So uh, honestly, any of these teams could win it, especially with single limb, which is stupid, by the way. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you guys annoyed that after doing all of these qualifiers, at least in NA, it makes sense to me because we actually came in with seeds one to eight. So it's like you can do a single elimination bracket, and in theory, we have properly seeded it. Sliggy, you guys have a freaking oh. random bracket <laughs> for EU. So is it frustrating knowing that it's best of three, but it's going to be one and done? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, I think we're just so pumped that we get best of threes. <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> oh, we'll take it. Like, as long as it's not best of one, sure, we'll take it. Single limb, yeah, for sure, double limb would be way better. But <laughs> it's like, it's going to be like our second best of three in first strike. So we're kind of, I mean, we're, we're kind of just, we're taking that win, man. Riot's doing it right. If you treat them poorly early on, give them just a little carrot and they'll yeah. be happy. All right. We were spoiled here in NA. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, for sure. Swiggy, watching our VODs, what's the biggest difference from EU to NA in your opinion? What, how would you describe NA's play style at the moment? Um, I, I do think it is less structured. It's a lot of more. It, it more relies on individual plays. Like it's, I think Cloud9 is like the, the best like sum up you can do of just these like sure it makes sense to have tens like your win uh like your win um condition yeah one condition being tens popping off but like because he does it a lot of the times but at the same time it's just not reliable um i think i see a lot of rainer and that's like my problem with rainer is you can have it on the best player but it's just it's even if that player just isn't popping off it can't bring much to the table other than the two flashes so i do think there's um a bit less structure in na but i will also say that it would definitely like i'm judging that from like the last month but if i look at first strike it's, it's definitely a giant improvement from that every team did get a lot more structured i think phase clan is probably the best example i could use where i saw them in the phase clan invitational mm -hmm. and they were <laughs> they, they weren't the best like they weren't the best and then i it's see them a morning <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and then i see them a month later and they look like a completely different team like they actually they're they actually look unreal um so it's it's definitely something that I'm seeing, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to sum, I can't really sum up the whole of NA anymore, like before I could, it would be easy okay. to sum up the whole of NA, the whole play style was really similar, but now I think every team has its own kind of identity, uh, different play style, so I feel it's all kind of just, um, it's it's all over the place now, which is which is good though, it's, it kind of shows that the game's balanced, the game's in a good place, and that all of these play styles uh, can work, and some of them work well against other teams. Yeah, you guys suck too, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's uh, it's been a really like the evolution has been super interesting. I think just as a general point, this game is been so fun to watch just because every because of the lack of uh, you know tournaments that we have is actually great because when a tournament rolls around, you know teams are hiding stuff from each other. The meta has shifted without you as a viewer really being party to that necessarily. Whilst teams are working hard to figure out what's the next best thing to deal with what's been working, and we have this you know rivalries actually mean something like they really 
I mean, not to say that they don't mean anything in CS, but it's just, it just doesn't feel like there is as much value and as, as much intrigue within the rivalry. So I've been really enjoying sort of how fast the meta's moving because uh, it, it, it makes it, I don't know, it just, everything feels a bit more punchy right now, which I love completely. Um, and, and just as you know, moving that general point into uh, EU, EU's also a scene that's seen a lot of development. Um, you know, initially, I feel like it was just kind of, um, you know, so I guess it's just you guys and G2 to begin with, and FPX kind of it came up. And now we, it seems like we're starting to get a lot of other teams coming up. But I think for most people that have been loosely following EU, they're going to be thinking about G2, Liquid, and FPX, and maybe NIP mostly. Like these are the rosters that we've seen a lot of. But uh, you know, we've got eight teams here. So can you can you uh, run us through some of these teams, teams that have impressed you, uh, players that have impressed you, maybe some, you know, especially the lesser known names, people that we should be thinking about um, as we look at this, these these top eight qualified teams in the EU bracket. Sure. So um, yeah, I'll quickly like G two. Obviously, everyone knows who they are. They've been winning everything in Europe. Uh, Liquid us. We've just been underperforming uh, in Europe. And then FPX, probably like your second best uh, in terms of rankings at the moment. The kind of teams that are. They're coming up with a good amount of different stuff. They're always coming. They're always kind of like uh, pushing the boundaries and coming up with cool stuff. Um, and then the lesser known teams, you have Summon FC. They've just been playing like every tournament. Um, they've been honestly consistently winning um, against every game. You could definitely argue that some of their tournaments don't have the highest skill, but you can only beat like what's in front of you, right? So they, they've been doing really good. Um, They've been coming up with some cool stuff as well, but I've been watching a few of their demos. They look pretty drilled. Um, obviously, they don't have an actual org yet. I think that's the main talking point about Europe in general is there's hardly, there's like like six top orgs maybe. Um, so okay. yeah, it's, that's that's something that's uh, a, a bit, I don't know, it sucks a bit at the moment, but that it is what it is, right? Um, no Penky. These, these guys are like, they're like, uh, you, you know, when that phase team got um, announced in CS and it was just like they picked one from each region, like this guy's the best in this country. These, yep. That's that's no penky, basically. They have a sick team. This CNED guy, basically in, in America, in NA, you have uh, you've got like Wardell, you've got those kind of uh, jet operator players that can just dominate a game. Um, we don't have that in Europe. There's, there's no one that can use like the operator jet uh as well as anyone in NA, um, this CNET guy is like our, is like the closest we have to that. Um, we have a few like passive passive guys, but they're not the same. Uh, Orglus, so that is um, they were Prodigy, um, which uh, people recognize Happy, and potentially people recognize Hoodie. He played for um, Havu, I think it was in CSGO. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, they, they've they've actually been pracking loads for like a month. Um, and then Purple Cobra is kind of like an underdog team. Um, these guys, uh, I haven't watched too much of them, uh, two UK guys, uh, two Frenchies. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched too much, but they look pretty, they look pretty drilled, pretty structured. I, I literally, they're, they're probably the one team that I haven't seen too much of, so I can't comment. Um, and then team heretics are like the sleeper team that are just sick. They're so good. They, they're like, they're one team that if you talk about Europe, you're always like they're just for some reason you forget about them but like honestly they are they're in like the top five in my opinion in terms of europe they're they're super strong uh they've been practicing a lot they have a, a unique style of play um yeah they're, they're definitely one to watch out for it looks like a good counter-strike lineup honestly no yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just say that too um no offense dan or swiggy but historically i'm told that you i had the same fucking questions is this <laughs> is this the best Esport for UK players, like I feel like there's a lot of British flags there. Yeah, what's the difference between UK Valorant and UK CS? 
yeah i'm not sure <laughs> i'm actually not sure it may be i kind of so at least with my i can talk for my guys at least i like i i kind of handpicked them and and artists as well i know he's claiming the latvian flag but like we also claim as uk um <laughs> it's so like we i handpicked them in terms of the ones that i felt like could kind of break out from um the dregs of the uk scene so I can definitely talk for those guys. I know individually they're all they all have a lot of potential. They just never really pushed themselves or had um any kind of anyone with like any kind of knowledge of how a team should work. That's kind of what I was hoping to bring to them. Um in terms of the other guys, I know both I mean Boaster's pretty much just single handedly um making sure that the summon FC team's kind of the same as what we're doing. I don't know, there's, a, there's a, there seems to be a lot of talent, honestly. Um I think it's like yeah. In in theory, on paper, there isn't too much difference. Um, I think it's just uh, people are just really motivated to try and get out. And like five years of just achieving nothing in, in CS can get you, man. So I think they've the players have finally snapped and actually like playing loads. Yeah. And are most of these teams speaking English as their main comms? So you like when you're setting up scrims, how many different languages are you dealing with? Is it all I'm pretty speaking teams? Yeah, I'm pretty confident for all of these teams, they all speak English. I mean, I'm. I'm, pr I'm pretty confident that's right. I know. Yeah, uh, no, I think that is right. Yeah, I think they all are. That's actually pretty awesome. Um, it's, it's actually a funny one, too, because I remember we had um, we had Soulcast on the podcast and the live show. And he's somebody that was, I was asked this question to directly. I'm like, dude, what's going on here? Because we've got this crazy situation where now suddenly... Like a, UK, like a bunch of UK players that played CS, you had no success there, and now they've given the opportunity and they're succeeding and running with it and everything's good to go. So what's the deal with UK CS? And he, he said, you know, frankly, that UK CS is, was a trap. And there's a lot to, to that. I think, you know, culturally, there's lo there was a lot of issues. And I think that's, that's what Valorant has given to a lot of people, is this, this fresh start where there isn't a, an established elite inherent to any nation yet. And there's, there's, you know, these systems aren't in place as to who gets to kind of, you know, these gatekeepers who get to say, you know, you get to come into this team or, you, you know, I'll connect you with this person. Like, that's all just gone. So you get someone like Siggy who can come along and has the, the, um, has the mind, has the authority to, to actually pick people. And, you know, you can recreate the culture and learn from your mistakes. That's one of the things I love most about Valorant is that it gets to improve upon all of the mistakes or has the opportunity to improve upon all the mistakes that were there in CS that were hurting the competitive integrity in general of different scenes or like whatever it is. I think there's so yeah. many lessons from CS. And so I'm really happy to see that the UK players are going to get, hopefully, um, this because this, this, this transformation happened in North America in CS as well, where initially there was, there was so many memes around North American CS that if you put, if you put, <laughs> na in front of as a prefix in front of anything like na smoke na flash na this or that it means that you know it's terrible right and and it was a, a community of playing of players in cs that was completely dominated by just a one sort of trick just we're, we're all about mechanics we're all about playing aggressively we don't have as, as much structure or tactical depth all this kind of stuff but then it just took one or two really good teams like team liquid to come along and just re can show everybody how that's done and become leaders of the culture and that changed everything. And that slowly permeated down to all the teams below them. And then everybody benefited from it. So I'm hoping that that's, that's what we're seeing here for UKCS. So Liquid get to fly the flag and to set the culture, I hope. And uh, sounds like you guys are doing a good job right now, Connor. Although you did say, and I want to ask you about this, 
you feel like you're underperforming right now. So what do you what do you put that underperformance to exactly? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't want to say format again. Um, it, I mean, a, a, lot of the, a, lot of, a lot of times we lost to best of ones, um, but it, it was just our own mistakes, honestly. Um, so it, it was just us being a bit crap. Um, we always uh, we always in practice, we would look really good. And then when it came to officials, we would just look nothing like we look in practice. So, yeah, there was a few underlying issues that we had to talk about, which I think uh, we've now overcome. So, yeah, it was mainly it was mainly just our own performances and officials that, that was like lacking. Um, we definitely had the potential. But then when it came to <laughs> yeah, when it came to officials, it just wasn't there. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we've turned uh, a new page. So I'll, I'll be quick. Oh, good. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Go. I was going to say, I have a quick question for Taylor before we go to brackets. But now I want to hear what you, you want to say as well, Chris. I was going to but... say, before the bracket, I want to know who is not in the bracket that should be. I think we listed them earlier. NIP, but who else is, is missing on this list? Uh, Giants, I guess. Uh, not, I'm not Giants, sorry. Um, Guild. Team Guild. Guild. Yeah. They are. Dude, there's so much that went behind it all with like the. Because they got uh, defaulted out for using a bogged. A bugged wall, which I, which apparently is bugged. I didn't realize it was bugged. Um, it's where you use like a killjoy turret and then use a wall on top. But then this just opened. This opened. I mean, it was wild. Now then you had everything that was like everyone was claiming everything was a bug. Like we we were we were talking to the ad. We had to go to the admins between every single game, and I would like send them like a molly. And if the molly goes out of the map, that counts as a bug, so you can't use that. So you know, like the molly on ascent where. It goes into say you're under on A, yeah, under go, heaven. Yeah, under heaven. You go. You just throw a molly into like the little crack there, and it gets the people above. You can't use that. Like any molly that's outside, any wall, any sage wall that goes through a wall, you like counts as a bugged wall. And I was like, guys, I was like, this is wild. Like, what's going on here? Like, you couldn't use the killjoy all on top of stuff. And so, like, 30 minutes before our game, I had to just sit on a server with, like, our killjoy just saying, you can't use this, you can't use this, you can't use this. And it was just, it just opened the floodgates of just, it was just, it was pure madness of what counts as a bug and what doesn't. Um, and, yeah, it, it was just a shit show, honestly. So I feel sorry that they got, they got defaulted out um, for a bug that, uh, obviously, they didn't realize it was a bug. Um, Against G two in a game that a lot of people said they were going to win, right? Or oh, dude, they look better. Than, they look better than them. So yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's they like they. In my opinion, they deserve that win. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's literally is not meant to be in the game and it's technically a bug, then uh, I guess then that's that's that fair was enough. that was in the first qualifier though. Did they have a second chance? Yeah, they had a second chance. They lost the best of one to someone that i can't remember there were so many best of ones that i just can't remember <laughs> but they did they did lose a best of one um potentially it was no penky uh was it no penky yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there you go um so that's why they're in but i i think if you click on that game I, i'm pretty sure they lost i, I think no penky yeah it's so a guild won both pistols so in my opinion like that's a complete fair loss like you win both pistols you just like and you still lose like you just have to lose on the game. beta map yeah so yeah that i mean no, Penky are a good team as well. Like that's the superstars, one from each country kind of team. So uh, they're a really good team. But yeah, best of threes. Maybe that's a different. Uh, maybe that's a different game. Um, but yeah. What a shit comp they have on Haven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to you want to yeah, um, work on expand that. expand on that one. For yeah, us. go ahead, Taylor. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> it's just like uh, who's doing anything in that comp right there. Everyone, everyone's sitting back while they're hitting a site. 
We got a Sova, Raze, Cypher, Omen, and Breach. That would rely heavily on ults, I think. So if you can't string rounds together, you're going to get momentum screwed, which looks like what happened on, on the first half. Yeah, do you agree with that, Connor? Um, yeah, it's you definitely have to have a... I know you have to pretty have a pretty structured style of play to make that comp work. I believe, yeah. All right. Well, with that said, um, let's let's go a bit uh, broader. Let's look at the brackets specifically for this EU portion of first the main event for first strike. And obviously, you know, you I think you set the stage pretty nicely there, uh, Connor, in terms of the teams. You know, who we're missing, and you know what we can maybe you know look to expect from some of these these teams and players. What do you, what's your first take on this bracket? Because I know that you had some gripes with some, you know, how the seeding was for some of the qualifiers and stuff, but how does the bracket look? Does it look good to you? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit bummed out because obviously Heretics was, in my opinion, by far the best out of the bottom four and the randomizer.org, random.org, whatever it was, decided to just wreck us. That's, just <laughs> I get, That's I get so it. stupid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that, I'm not too bothered about it. like you have to beat everyone, right? Um, so, but then uh, I do think that Summon FC got a very easy route to qualify for this. They get a very easy route now. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be here at all because they do. I'm just saying right. I'd like them to get tested <laughs> a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's I, I do think that the the top side is pretty heavy stacked. It's pretty stacked, man. <laughs> I was gonna say you have the worst bracket possible here. I mean, the only way it could get worse <laughs> is if you played Fun Plus or G two in the second round, or I, I guess you'll have to if if this one would play out by normal people's seeds. Um, but can we talk about Heretics to start with? Because you said this is the top team in the group from the the second qualifier. We have a guy like Taimu from Meow Mode who said that this is the best team in e EU in his mind after playing them recently. So what should fans know about Heretics coming into that matchup? They're just individually really sick and they're they're pretty dude, they play they play a sage still on every map. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's wild. But like again, this is another thing where like I need them to talk to the admins because it's like I, I watched some of their demos and I was like, technically that's like 10 bugged walls in like 12 rounds. Like where I need I need some kind of line to be drawn. Um uh -huh. But but in terms of like how they play, they're they dude, they're so sick. They're, individually, they're really sick. They have a good uh, uh, play style. Um, they kind of understand their reactive stuff's really good. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just a top team, man. They're just a really top team that I think a lot of people in Europe have probably been sleeping on. Are they the only ones still running Sage on every map? It's like Sage and Sova on every map, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Uh, I don't know if I mean there's maybe some other teams, um, but they're the only ones that I know of. Um, but yeah, they 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 have some inventive walls for sure. It's, um, it's still big in Asia, running Sage on a lot of maps. Yeah, that's true. It is true. Yeah. Um. But no, these these guys are sick. This Nisao guy is a monster, like an absolute monster. Um. So yeah, individually, individually, they're definitely scary. Um. But so I, so I personally class them as like one of the top like top teams. So we'll we'll see. I think I think our game against them is gonna be sick, man. It's gonna be good. So I'm actually pretty excited for it. And if you win that. In theory, you're playing against G2. If, like, if I we think... win that, yeah. If we win that, we most likely play G2. I, and how has that matchup gone? Like, oh, what's oh, we'll the be, expectations we'll... in the current meta now? I, I think we'll beat G2. Like, I, I think no matter who wins out of us and Heretics, I think they'll beat G2, personally. But it, it kind of depends, because G2 are like that team that if they all decide to play as well as they can, they'll, they should beat everyone. Um, but I don't think that's a good... 
I don't know, percentage-wise, I think uh, either us or Heretics should should be beating them. Uh, but we'll see. It's it's one of those things where they're all individually, G2 are individually sick, man. So they could just all pop off. Do you think G2 have been in any way showing signs of any weakness or deterioration? Oh, or do you sure. feel like they're still getting better? For sure. Like, I don't mind flaming them. They're, they've definitely been sleeping. They haven't been practicing <laughs> enough. I watched some of their demos. They're bringing nothing new to the table. Like, they they came in very relaxed to this event. Very relaxed. Um, I do believe they definitely have been working a little bit now. Um, but I, I definitely imagine they took some kind of time off before this event. I watched that guild game. Um, and yeah, you can't expect to win games bringing like what they brought to the table there. So, yeah. Have you caught any G2 tailored? Yeah, even I can see that they're falling off a bit. But they were, they were huh. never really ones to add a new stuff. You know, they kind of relied pretty heavily on their chemistry and their uh, background in CS. So it's not that surprising to me that these other teams would be stepping up and beating them, especially going into a tournament with BO1s. Uh, so from what I've seen of Liquid and Heretics, I think either of them could be G2 any day of the week. Interesting. All right. Well, there's a, there's a prediction. I think a lot of people perhaps wouldn't have expected to hear who are not in the know. So there's that. I, I believe I interrupted you, Chris. What did you have? Something no, for us? Uh, if you're a gambler, make sure you listen to the show every single week. Um, make sure you listen <laughs> to these coaches because they know their stuff. Uh, I was going to say on the other half of the bracket, it feels like Angel and the Fun Plus Phoenix crew have just a straight shot to the finals. Sleek, do you agree with that? Like, who's the threat for them to kick them out of the bracket before grand finals? Um, I guess Summon FC. I don't see it happening. Um, I think maybe they can take, like, a map off them or something. But I just think... I think I think they'll be absolutely fine. I think they should probably cruise it, honestly. Angel's happy right now. Yeah, for sure. And tailored. we kind of looked at Fun Plus Phoenix and we talked with Angel on our last show. It seems they're kind of approaching the game way different from anyone in NA, even a lot of the teams in EU. He's just trying to constantly break the game or be the most efficient you possibly can with alt orbs, uh, character selection, compositions, utility usage, all of that. So have you been watching this team for fans who haven't seen this squad in EU? What can they take away by watching that bottom half of the bracket? Um, well, I think... I think staying ahead of the meta is really important in this game with how big the character changes are. Uh, that's one thing we've learned is to not fear running these crazy comps. Um, when, we, when we think a comp is going to work, we work really hard on, on making sure the positioning is good and stuff. So uh, we really wanted to make a statement with this triple duelist or double duelist and uh, support comp with Breach. Um, and I think you'll see a lot more of that kind of stuff with Sky being added too. I think Sky is going to be really fucking good on one map specifically, which I don't want to mention. Uh, but I think she's going to be really strong on one map in replacement for an agent. That... Icebox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think like um, staying ahead of the meta has always been our goal. And, uh, you know, we, we were the first ones not to run Sage on certain maps and we won events with it. And, I think we made a bit of a statement winning this last qualifier too with the triple duelist thing, even though it was just for seeding. But um, I think uh, any team that's willing to take risks like that, it, it's it's going to pay off for them. As long as they put the effort in to, to make sure it's the correct route. 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, you know, it's the whole thing with Icebox and Sky, we'll get a little bit more into that in, in a moment. But um, do we have, we, I guess we kind of did predictions more or less, kind of, but let's let's do them more explicitly here. So for, for the for the um, NA bracket, I think, the, who, who do we have? Obviously, TSM getting to the finals there. You know, I guess, I guess you know, I feel like I have to say that. Otherwise, Taylor may hate me forever. <laughs> so, um, but... <laughs> But he's been on the show, we want him back in the future. TSM for sure. Well, so, so this is something that's really sick, right? TSM and Sentinels. You guys have this is a this is like the rivalry, the first rivalry that I think really enamored so many people as they started watching Valorant. It's the first big rivalry of NA. You guys haven't played for like almost four months or something. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. In the competition, that's insane to think about, and. The ways in which that's happened is, is crazy. But you guys could make a run into that grand final against each other, which I think people would be super stoked about. But for that to happen, Sentinels would have to get past 100 Thieves and T1, which are both teams that feel like unknown quantities because they've both been improving so much. So what are our predictions for the grand finals here? Um, what, what do our minds say? What do our hearts say? I'm going to say TSM Sentinels because I'm going to like really lean into that. That you know, I want that rematch. But yeah, I think uh, Riot is somewhere in a back room trying to figure out how to make that happen <laughs> as best as possible. Because uh, viewership wise, I think that would be the best. I messaged Dapper the other day, and I was like, "You guys better show up. <laughs> We're, we want to see you in the finals." So that's awesome. That would be. Uh, that's definitely what my heart wants. But uh, that lower bracket is tough, man. I mean, the whole bracket is hard. Mm -hmm. You know. Renegades is a challenge. Envy is going to be a challenge. Uh, so I don't know. Any of these teams could win, honestly. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I literally think any of these teams could win. Um, I don't know. If I had to go with who I think is probably going to win, um, I would say that maybe Sentinels. But I don't know, that's me basing a lot of stuff from like a month ago because they didn't actually right. look, in my opinion, they didn't look super strong in first strike. But I know, I, in my opinion, I think they were saving stuff because I didn't see too much. I saw a bit of those new, but... I didn't see too much that was new. Um, yeah, they didn't get tested really either. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not too sure. This this one's hard. I don't think I saw enough from Sentinels to know if they're like, if they're gonna uh, completely smash this or not. But uh, yeah, it's it's between TSM and VNA and uh, Sentinels. I think. Are Hundred Thieves the bigger threat than Phase to Sentinels? Because Hundred Thieves beat them in the previous qualifier, right? Uh, yeah. So Sentinels. Sentinels has always struggled against teams that don't give us problems. So like Gen G and FaZe has always been easy for us, but for some reason Sentinels struggles against those teams. And then Sentinels crushes teams that give us trouble. So like C9 and um, Renegades and stuff. And I honestly think it's just the mentality of people going into a Sentinels match rather than anything they're doing specifically. But I don't know, 100 Thieves... Um, we we played really poorly against them, and we handed them the match that they won against us for sure. So, uh, I think they still have more work to do. Um, they definitely look like they've improved a ton. They're putting the effort in, and uh, I think uh, I trust any team with Nick on it. I'm a huge fan of Nitro, so oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean T1 is going to be a struggle. I think they should beat T1, but then. I really think Sentinels will come out of this bracket. They they just have the chemistry and the and the history together to to make it through to a final. 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to have an easy time at all. I, I really think, like, I was yeah. well impressed with FaZe. Like, well impressed with FaZe and, like, near the end of, um, so last week. I think it was last week. There, Yeah, so, I don't know. I, I think they're going to have a rough time, but I think they should be fine if they play their normal game and get into the final. But I, I do think FaZe, the FaZe Sentinels game is going to be pretty close. I th- I'm pretty confident. Yeah, with that said, let's let's jump into it. Because I think, actually, Chris, we didn't get your, what, what's your... Oof vision of of the grand finals here where's your prediction so sadly i think it's going to be envy over tsm in that second semi-final just to disagree with everyone else okay. on the show i'm um, leaving and then i think that 100 thieves sentinels is a really good matchup in that second round and i think that phase if they had a different matchup than sentinels just kick off the quarterfinals could have been a threat because they're just an explosive team that is just overly aggressive and i'm sure you can prep for it but not always for some of the headshots that are coming out of Corey's entries. Um, I think it's going to be Sentinels in the bottom half of the bracket. I think that going best of threes and then eventually best of five, if we see that, is really going to be in their favor. I think Sentinels takes the tournament. All right. Okay. I like it. I like it. Okay. With that said, time to do the same thing, but let's do it for the EU bracket. I know that Sliggy might have us at a slight disadvantage here, having more experience with all of the teams in this one, but this this bracket itself is insane. So I, f- I feel like that it's quite difficult to predict, but I'm, I'm gonna kick things off here. So I'm, I'm gonna say that Liquid are gonna take this. Boom, I did it. And it's gonna be them versus FPX. I feel like that's it's a pretty reasonable grand final right there. It's what the people want. It's what the people want. And maybe Except this for- is the undoing of G2 as well, but possibly, and maybe we can predict that. I feel like that's kind of the feeling in the room right now. Yeah, maybe it's it's one of yeah it's one of those ones where I think a lot of these teams can well it's not like the NA because I don't think some of these teams can win it honestly, um, but I mean I've FPX are in the final, <laughs> I'm pretty confident, and then our our stuff's going to be high. I think if we beat Heretics, we win. Um, I do feel like in my mind that's kind of the final in a sense of like I think that's our hardest opponents, um, and then. Obviously, FPX will be quite... I mean, it's just a hard route in general. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to put us, but I I kind of I kind of see FPX just having the easiest uh, route to the final, for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I could have drawn a better bracket. I don't even know who three of these teams are. So, um, I, th- I mean, obviously, Liquid FPX should be in the final, but I'm rooting for Purple Cobras just because the dodgeball memes would be fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm here for the memes. I, I think, without a doubt, we're going to see Angel and Crew in the finals in the bottom half of the bracket, but I can't even tell you what's going to happen with the top half. Especially, like, I know G2 is downward trending, but this is also the biggest event of the year. You know that maybe we're not seeing them on all the time. Do they have fake accounts? Are they Are they putting in time just watching game film? I don't think you're going to see them just show up to this event and not try or not be able to perform at least 90, 95%. And I think G2, if they get the maps they want in a best of three, is still dangerous, whether it's Heretics or Liquid in that second round. Yeah, yeah. I think and that makes a lot of sense. They're one of those teams that, yeah, if they, if they all show up, man, they, they are. I mean, they can win it, like, for sure. They can easily win it. It's just one of those teams that it, they just have to all be popping. Um, and personally, as of late, I haven't seen them all popping, so... I think Sliggy and I can buffer for each other too with a single limb and just blame that if either of us are not in the yeah, finals. 
All right. Well, I feel like we've got a good, pretty good pi uh, picture of everybody, where everyone stands on all of this. Um, any final thoughts on the EU bracket and the predictions before we move things forward? Or are we good here? Sounds like we're pretty good. I think we're are good. Heretics the top three team? Will they prove yeah. their top three team if they're able to get to the finals in this event? I think if they beat us, they beat G2. So, so yeah, I, I guess so. It kind of depends on on our game. I mean, it's so hard at the moment because none of our like none of these teams play each other. So I'm, I'm kind of only going off like what some of the prac people say, um, and like some of the official demos that I watch. So it's really hard to know how some of these teams are going to match up. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of guesswork, honestly. Understood. Must do okay. it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. I mean, the game's going to be popping straight away. So you guys. Uh, another another factor is that uh, I think a lot of people's comps and the, the way they play have to change too. The Sentinels adjustment, which we haven't really talked about. Um, so I don't know. Sliggy, like if you're still watching older demos or just trying to take notes from how you're scrimming and practice and stuff, but so many comps in NA have changed, including ours. I mean, ours have changed completely. So, yeah, it's hard. I mean, that's just the thing with this game now, isn't it? Just every two months, like it all changes. Yeah. So it's like, because at the beginning, when people used to ask me, like, who was better at like NAEU, I could easily say, like, NA were better than Breach got buffed then EU are better. Like it literally, it literally changes like every two months. It's so hard to actually keep up at the top. So yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, cause like sky's allowed in this tournament as well. It's going to be interesting to see if teams are using that. Um, because it's, it's super strong. Yeah. It's super, super strong. So we'll see. Okay. Well, with that said, let's, let's uh, move on and just highlight some of our favorite storylines going into this first strike main event things that we think are going to be just so exciting to follow. Um, I'll start with you, Chris. Um, I think just seeing the return of Sentinels TSM, if that happens, I think that would be the best way to finish 2020 for me. That's where we kind of started. That's where peak Valorant was for me when we were doing all the ignition series events. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the top three, and I hate that. I love consistency. I love seeing the top dogs. So if we can go back and, and finish the way we started, I think that's the number one storyline that can come out of it. If you're looking at just like an awesome way to kick off the tournament, though, 100 Thieves versus T1, seeing like all five of the I Buy Power guys in the same game is going to be awesome. Uh, just seeing Steel match up against Dazed in the in-game leader challenges, that'll be fun. I think watching Envy versus TSM in the second round could be awesome. And then FaZe Clan, are they able to just catch people off guard? Are they able to prove that NA can still win with just raw talent and gun skill and blazing fast entries um, versus a slow-paced team like T1 that would historically try and make and execute with 33 seconds left on the clock? So I, I think those are kind of my NA storylines to watch and then of course in eu just what's going to happen with that top half of the bracket sliggy and friends are going to have quite the fun weekend <laughs> absolutely um right so i'm going to pick you next then sliggy what, what are your favorite storylines or biggest points for people to follow going through this uh this next week of valorant yeah i mean i'm probably just going to go i mean hopefully we get to see us against g2 I think that's going to be awesome. I think the Liquid G2 kind of rivalry. <clears throat> I know that everyone in our team wants to be Ardis, because uh, obviously Ardis left uh, left us in Fish One Two Three, left us out to hang. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I think for me that's personally like the one that we're all pumped for. 
Um, so yeah, hopefully that happens. And then in terms of NA, I don't know, as long as Sentinels get to the final and plays either TSM or Envy, I'll be pretty happy for that. Uh, I do think, like you said, the T100 Thieves, I, I said at the beginning, I think that's going to be the closest game. I think it's going to be a sick game. I actually don't know who takes that. Um, still made me predict the other day, um, like when I was streaming. So I made sure that I said T1 just to annoy him. I'm not sure if I actually <laughs> believe that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like in terms of rivalry and seeing all the iPi power guys back is just, I don't know, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I think they're kind of like the main storylines. Uh, I think there's a little bit of, in EU, I think there's a little bit of rivalry between the Summon FC and FPX, or at least that's what Boast is trying to do. Like Boast just messages Angel like every single day, just being like, don't sleep on me or like, I'm going to beat you and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so, so maybe there's something to watch out there. I don't know. Um, I think they could maybe surprise them. Or at least give them a good game. Um, so maybe that's something else to watch out for. Um, but yeah, I think that's most of the main storylines that I can think of. What about you, Taylor? What's uh, what the standouts for you? Um, yeah, obviously the us for Sentinels is a big one. Uh, I think the the coolest thing for me going into this is like these redemption stories for the I by Power guys, showing that they can still compete at a top level, and how disappointing it is that that they couldn't do it in, in Counter Strike just because of some dumb mistake they made five years ago now. Um, so that's really cool to see. I'm really happy for Brax, uh, especially. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think 100 Thieves will take that match versus T1. Uh, I think Sentinels, everyone's kind of curious to see how they're going to play. And they'll definitely have a challenge getting to the finals. So they got to show up day one. And then um, people want to see how consistent we are too. And then Envy is like and a stellar team. You know, yeah. they could easily be a, a number one team right now. So we haven't talked about them at all. But um, like I said, we feel pretty comfortable against them. Uh, we just need to make it through spazzy renegades first. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel you, man. Well, with with that said, I think um, my, my top storylines, I think, you know, you guys have all covered... The big ones pretty effectively, I think, as we already highlighted for me, TSM Sentinels definitely is something to root for right out of the gate. But that's something that we might be denied. So if that is, you know, is the case for any reason, I'm I'm also really um, a huge supporter of what T uh, 100 Thieves are doing with with their lineup. I think it's been, I think they hit a pretty sweet spot in terms of being just barely prepared enough to kind of crystallize their style of play and their structure and their chemistry and everything that goes into competing because they they were looking for those last two players in Asana and Dicey for quite a while. So they they didn't have maybe as much time as they w wanted to kind of, you know, make the qualifiers. But as highlighted, I think, by, by Connor earlier, like they improved game to game to game. So I have my eyes on them and I want to see what they can deliver because they, they, they have everything. This could be a huge tournament for them. And equally, the, the whole um, I buy power storyline is is some the redemption storyline i think that's going to be my my pick outside of the tsm sentinels one and also actually in terms of the eu i do i am curious if fps can can become use this event to become the best eu team if g2 fall off and fpx show more new stuff which is what they have been continually kind of doing i think they could this could be where they assert their their dominance so Loads of storylines. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick one, but that's just fantastic because you don't have to pick one. You just have to be aware of them and it just will make your viewing experience better. So love that. And speaking of that, making your viewing experience better, um, we already talked about how much the meta shifts in this game. And 
how we have all this downtime between events where so many things are moving, these pieces are moving you know, behind the curtain. We can't see what's going on as, as spectators. Um, but you know, I want to start the discussion about the, the current meta and what we can, obviously, you know, I don't want you guys to give away anything that you're doing or anything like that, but, but what can we speak to here? Because we have this flash meta that's in play right now. I think that's like a big talking point in terms of any meta discussion right now. Is this something that's just really annoying? Are you enjoying it? Is it making your lives easier or harder as coaches to try to prepare for games and to like uh, uh, create solutions? Um, you know, what what is your take initially with the flash meta? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of like it. We use, <clears throat> sorry, we use it quite a lot um, in general. It's just an easy, it's just an easy, fast way to use a combo in the teams. Um, I'm not sure it's the only meta, but I think it is like the easiest meta to, to implement at the moment. Um, in terms of playing against it, you kind of you kind of just it, you play so so much against it now, especially in Europe, that you're just kind of ready for a lot of it. You just know there's certain positions that you can't play, or maybe you have to play anti-flash. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to give away too much, but it, it's definitely it's definitely something that we're kind of more aware of now. Um, but I, I'm not sure that's I'm not entirely sure that's the whole meta that we'll see going into um, first strike. I know I know I know a lot of teams will use that, um, <clears throat> but I'm not yeah I'm not I'm not sure if that's like the only the only thing we'll see. Cause there's definitely a, a lot of other different comps that work. The kind of, there's, it's pretty much just like a jet. You can use jet or you can use no jet, um, and using jets a lot easier and takes a lot less time to kind of make it work. Um, but you, there's definitely other comps that you can use without Jet, but it just takes a bit more planning, I believe. Yeah, do you think it's the case as well that, you know, we, are there going to be some, let's say, let's say this is hypothetical, will there be teams with these um, compositions that are kind of very flash oriented that could go into this tournament? And there's going to be some teams that have created pretty specific solutions to to deal with that or is the flash meta so good that it's kind of hard to directly counter with a composition that let's say it cuts off lots of line of sight and has also various other answers there was there was like a super easy way to counter it um that no one did um i, I can say it because well yeah i'll say it but you can pretty much use a viper most of the time and you just cut off half the site and then you just do the wall behind like whatever thing they're going to flash through so it like never affects it um, but then that counter just gets eradicated with Sky because you just now flash through the wall. So it's like <laughs> we never actually we never actually got to see that meta kind of come into play. I think maybe I saw Cloud9 uh, Korea play it once, um, and that was cool to see them counter it. Um, kind of similar. They were like halfway there. It was, it was pretty much they had the, the right plan, in, um, and they countered it perfectly. It worked really well. Um, but then we, we never really got to see it um, because no one used Viper. It wasn't enough time, and now Sky's here, so it just doesn't <laughs> really work as well. Um, we added some of those in with Phoenix and Viper on Split, and uh, then Sky came out, and I was like, well, okay. Yeah, just, yeah that was a waste Yay! of time. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor Viper, man. It feels like Viper has been just... This is so difficult for people to... Sh it's like you have to really try to shoehorn her into compositions yeah. still. She's so, so strong. She is so strong, but you just have to, uh, you just have to base your whole comp around her. Really, I I she hope that she isn't seen a ton because four months ago I made a fifty dollar bet that Viper <laughs> would not get buffed enough 
to where we would see her in competitive Valorant. Oh, she's already there, dude. So I got $50 yeah. on the line. She needs to be used in 25% or more of the maps in the final tournament. That was, nah, that you're, was the rules. You're safe on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Pay me it, now. The amount of effort you have to put in to make her work is a, it's just not worth it right now. But she's really strong. She's really kind of uh, kind of unbelievable on Icebox, though, for sure. At least from where I'm standing from, I feel like she's unreal Icebox. But I, I don't know what that kind of I don't know what the kind of meta is in NA uh, for using her. I spoke to mm. I spoke to Dazed a little bit, but um, <laughs> the Icebox in EU is wild right now. It's absolutely wild. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would, I would, I can't wait. I hope I get to see an NA game to kind of see um, where it is. But we played loads of games. We played like probably fifteen to twenty games at the moment. There's quite a few teams playing it in EU. A um, lot of Viper, a lot of Viper. But it makes a lot of sense if uh, if you do it right. That's really interesting. Do actually, so Icebox is it is an interesting thing in general. We haven't really seen that. Um, you know, like, is that something that's going to be picked by teams? Will teams try to avoid it? How was initially the reception was that everybody hates Icebox and like, just this is like a ubiquitous thing in the pro scene and the casual scene. Everyone seems to hate playing Icebox. Um, so is, is are people warming up to it now? Change? I think so. <laughs> we, I mean, personally, we love it. Like, we love it. Well, I like Icebox too. I don't get why people complain yeah, yeah. about it. I think I think the more you play it, the more you're like, actually, this isn't too bad. It's definitely it definitely is a bit too big. Like it is a bit too big. Like the the ten to twelve second rotation from one side to another is a bit madness. Um, in my opinion, it reminds me of like Contra from CS. Contra, so, yes. But then they added that like little river in to make you faster, just because the rotation was so big. So it's a bit like that map, just without the little river that speeds you up. It's a bit of madness. Um, but I actually think it plays pretty well. It's just a little bit too big. Yeah, I think uh, for some reason, NA teams are like, teams wouldn't even scrim it when it came out. It was impossible for me to find scrims. And we wanted to start playing it day one, even though it wasn't in the upcoming tournament. Um, but uh, now teams are grinding it. So this week we're playing a lot of Icebox going into the tournament. So but uh, I like the map. Can you guys explain the rules, Taylor? Like, how often are we going to see Icebox in this? Is it a gentleman's agreement, like Call of Duty kids do, to not pick specific maps no, that they hate? That. Like, <laughs> um, you know, what what is going to be the Icebox and Sky situation coming into these First Strike Finals? Um, well, Sky is definitely going to be played. You're going to see her on quite a few teams. She's a really strong agent. She's a good mix of, like, Sova, Breach... And uh, she just adds a lot of support. And the healing factor is pretty crazy. Her alt is crazy. She's she's just really strong. Um, so I think uh, you're going to see her quite a bit. And then Icebox, you're going to see banned a lot in NA. Um, but it's always important for me when maps get added that we're not scared of the new map. Uh, I always want to be really comfortable on it. We were really comfortable on Ascent when it came out. Uh, I made Split our main priority uh, during beta and the first few months of the game, and it helped us win tournaments. So we're we're never shying away from a new map. I don't care how crazy it is. And it's the finals of best of three, or is it the first best of five where we'd almost be guaranteed to see it, right? Yeah, so BO5. You wouldn't ban a map in that scenario, so we wouldn't see a map repeat. You would just choose the order? Yeah, so if um, there's no map advantage going into the final, so it depends how many maps you go. But depending on who makes it to the final, 
uh, that might be the first time you actually see it in NA. But I don't know. We're we're not going to shy away from it. So that's good to hear. I think uh, I think this this event is going to be really interesting to kind of get a read as to who's really embraced it and who maybe suffers, you know, for not embracing it. And also, I'm pretty stoked to see some Viper action there. Um, and you guys are talking about Sky and her strengths. I, I've, I'm curious. Do you feel like every single ability is nuts for Sky, or is it is it just let's say the application of one or two that makes it particularly insane? It's pretty. I mean, the flash, the the pigeon, the bird, whatever it is. That's it's pretty. The fact that it tells you when you flash someone is a bit mad. In, that in that's the craziest part. Yeah. yeah, that's um. I'm not sure it needed that. <laughs> to be honest, no. I'm really not sure it needed that. Um, it tells you yeah. when someone's turn too. So even if you're not blinding them, it's the info gathering is insane. It's like having three silver darts. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's super strong. And the alt and the alt isn't like it's full potential yet. The alt's still like a little bit bug buggy. It can't go up like certain things. So you yeah. like it pops okay. out on like Haven and stuff like that. So once that gets fixed, it'll be even more strong um yeah it's just, it's a really strong kit in general honestly like the dog the hill is really sick especially in pistols um and yeah the flashes that let you know if you've blinded someone um are just yeah. wild so yeah we're, we're gonna see it we're gonna see it um i'm actually unclear on her alt uh whether or not it targets random people or the closest three people because i've read four articles now that are contradictory and i've had two right. devs tell me that it's random, and then one dev tell me that it's not random. So I can't even get a clear answer on how her ultimate works, and I need to go in a server and actually test it with my team on quite a few spots. Yeah, I think we're in the same page. We're not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> we've had a few times we've ulted, and there'll be like a guy like really close behind us, and it yeah, yeah. we're like, oh, okay, it must be random. Um, I think it's just buggy, and it's supposed yeah, to be yeah, both of people. I think it's really buggy right now, like really buggy. <laughs> But um, maybe it'll get fixed. Who knows? All right, we talked. We talked uh, Flash Meta. We talked Sky and Icebox a little bit. Is there anything else that you know is striking from a composition perspective that we we should be looking out for when we go into first strike? Things teams will be doing that are different, or um, you know, what are we thinking in terms of like what people have been working on? And again, you know, I, I know you guys might not want to give away says anything, so it could be a tricky subject to dance around but but uh yeah is there anything there yeah i can go in um i know i saw obviously i'm not gonna talk about our team but i i saw fpx were doing um on binds they were doing like a pretty cool comp um which was uh i'm not gonna answer it now it's like kill it was killjoy phoenix sova rays and viper i think on bind mm -hmm. uh like a lot of damage you're playing a lot of the double damage that the spit and your alarm bot can do like you have all agents that can do damage um and then they have pretty cool set retakes um in terms of like combos i think it's apart from like the normal comp that you see like vision strikers run a lot of the time i think it's like the second comp that has like the most combos together that you can do in terms of setups and stuff like that so um yeah I, like I, it's definitely worth watching that demo if, if people haven't seen it um it was their first strike game on bind um I can't remember who it was against, but it was like their last game that they played in the bind. It was it was it was a really cool comp, really cool way of playing it. Um we had talked and thought about it a few times, but it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work to make it good. Um so yeah, so shout out to them for doing something. I think something it was new. against opportunist, not yeah, yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I think that might be great. Yeah, I think that might be great. 
All right. Well, any any extra things to add on the meta discussion before we go into final thoughts? I was going to ask if there's anyone in EU running Sentinelless comps. Um, we have come up against a few in Prac, but we're not sure. Um, yeah, we've come up, we've come up against a few, but in terms of like officials, I'm not too sure. Quite a few people are using Sage again, honestly. Yeah, we've talked about adding her in to a few maps. She's still really strong if, oh, if yeah, you use her wall correctly. Yeah, super strong. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, we haven't come up against that too much. I've, I'm probably seeing more people use Killjoy than Cypher recently. I, I think that's kind of weird to me. Killjoy just seems like hurt? such a pain in the ass to use right now. It's like not worth the I trouble. Really, as I say, I really, I really like Killjoy <laughs> at the moment. I think Killjoy's. I, I, I kind of like the buffs that they did to Killjoy. Well, I know people calling it enough, so whatever. What the changes, whatever it is, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah it can play, It plays completely different. Um, yeah. But I, I think it's pretty strong, honestly. I'm just yeah, saying. I think people we uh... change after this event because I feel like everyone's been running like three month old strats and just still rushing sites in the lower levels. It's um, it's gonna be fun to see people watch this event and then actually use the sky in their game and maybe try and set their teammate up a little bit more after watching the pros play. Sorry, yeah. optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with that said, um, let's let's move on to some final thoughts here. You know, we talked about, uh, of, of course, you know, first strike stuff, but we also at the top of the show we were talking about this amazing new uh, announcement featuring the 2021 calendar for the Valorant Championship Series type thing that we have to look forward to, and that's that's amazing as well. So that's something that is, I'm super excited about. I'm sure every, everybody is, and you know, we we can see that on the screen right now. It has this system that you know, feeds into a huge finals. Cannot wait for all of that and and just all of the storylines and you know as they develop and seeing how you know each region starts to perform because we'll get a better look into each region and that's one of the also the most exciting things about uh, Valorant is just the uh, how regional this game is and how much we can see from region to region. That's different, so that's very exciting. And of course, you know, we, you know, I think for me in terms of the things that I'm most looking forward to. I think we covered in the in the storylines segment. I think we we've got we had, I think that was like all the gold was there pretty much. So so I don't think I have anything to add personally to some of the stuff that we've discussed. But I do want to get your guys' thoughts on and what we should be looking forward to and what we should especially for you, Sliggy and Tailored, like with with uh, you know what Liquid and uh, TSM respectively are going to be going into this tournament. If there's anything we should be looking out for. Um, in terms of looking out for our stuff, um, I'm not too sure really. Just kind of, I mean, our games are all of our games going to be super hard. They're against, like, uh, in my opinion, the top three best other teams in Europe. So that's going to be awesome for people to watch. So yeah, just look out for it. Um, I think there's just a few. Some like check out some of the uh, teams that maybe don't have an org. Uh, I think a lot of them kind of deserve an org as well at the moment. If there's people like org people like looking to spot, there's a lot of good uh, potential there. So, yeah, I think org people should um, look at Europe a bit. We're not. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't get too much love, um, but I think it definitely deserves some um, some looking up for sure. So yeah, uh, keep an eye on. Just I mean, all the games are going to be sick. Honestly, there's, there could definitely be some upsets in both regions. So yeah, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I think right now everyone's just kind of excited for n the next year. Uh, I'm going to be disappointed if our current lineups in NA can't face the current lineups in EU. That would be sad if a year from now, you know, everything's kind of changed and uh, yes. we'll never we'll never get the answer like the EU versus NA question. So, but uh, 
fucking COVID. You know. Would you quarantine <laughs> on a cruise ship? Say, Rai has billions of dollars, right? Would you quarantine ship? on a cruise ship for two weeks in your room or like on a certain quarter that where you can't come in to interact with anyone else and then play your matches? I'm trying to think, like, what is the esports perfect bubble scenario? Because we got to take people from around the world. So why not just meet in the middle of the ocean, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't Ryan. do it on a cruise. I think we'd all end up more sick on a cruise ship. Probably die. Um, Don't do it. All right. Carnival <laughs> is out. We will look for another sponsor for yeah. the esports bubble in 2021. Maybe something more environmentally friendly. But yeah, we would do a bubble instantly. I would love to play on land. Just give me a fucking land, please. God. <laughs> waiting for it um i think my final thoughts is we talked a lot about eu and na but there's other regions going down to be honest i'm not caught up with all of them and i'm actually looking forward to after the tournament's all done is going back and watching all that vod that'll become public and and i'm really excited for all the vod analysis that's coming out before you guys leave the show though i was super pumped to have two head coaches especially two of the the powerhouse squads in each region joining the show who else do you think deserves some love? Because the community right now, they have their star players that they love to watch, but no one really talks about the people behind the scenes. Are there other coaches or managers or people in the scene that you guys feel deserve a shout out in your region? Yeah, I, I mean, I think just in general, like the coaches uh, from our regions definitely deserve like a, a shout out. I, the coach from Summon FC is a bit of a beast. He does a lot of work. So Mini definitely he's deserves a bit of a shout out. Um, and I'll shout out my manager, Eamon, as well, because he's a beast. So Nice work. Taylor, anyone in NA? Yeah, I mean, all the coaches are are pretty uh, talkative with, with each other. I talk with the Renegades coach a lot, Coach Jay. Uh, he puts in a ton of work, and uh, he's fairly new to this, too. So it's been like a learning process for him. Um, I mean, for all of us, but for him especially. And he's got, like, a family and a actual job like a secondary job that he works to so sh shouts out to him for putting in the effort and the work to get to where he is um they definitely could use this break uh it's a big break for them coming into this final event so but yeah i mean everyone knows like fraud and 100 thieves coach frost and stuff Every, everyone's putting in their individual work right now so Shouts out to Sentinels for doing what they're doing with no coach, too. That's pretty impressive. True. Excellent stuff. That's it for me, Dan. Yeah. Well, with that said, I think uh, I think it's going to be time to close the show. Uh, you, thank you to everybody for, for joining us. Um, as Chris said, you know, I share his sentiments. It's so awesome to have two head coaches on sharing the thoughts ahead of First Strike and into next year, 2021, as well. So everybody who is watching this, make sure you check out these guys' you know, streams and all the socials and make sure that you also are on top of our socials at, at Immortal Minds so that you are never going to miss any content that we are putting out there. And of course, if you are listening on the podcast, engaging, you know, liking, subscribing to, uh, to any of the platforms that you're using is also very helpful for us. Thank you for your support. And with that said, it is all from all of us. We'll see you on the next one. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.